Welcome back to the We Just Talk Wrestling Podcast, everyone. Kyle, Dylan, and Christian back at it with another episode this week, continuing the celebration of black and gold. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. Also, if you are currently listening to the show, send us your favorite wrestler right now so we can get an idea of who you guys enjoy watching. But Dylan, let's get into everything WWE related. Oh my God, my cat just knocked over my phone. Sorry. Um, <laughs> all right, so I have some WWE news revolving their television network deals. Um, apparently... Fox has canceled the out-of-character WWE podcast that they are affiliated with, which has led a lot of speculation that WWE will be leaving Fox when the TV deal is up. Um, I'm not seeing when the deal actually does end, but WWE is seeking an increase um, in how much they make from Fox. They're currently making $205 million per year. And reports are stating that they want over $300 million, which Fox is kind of hesitant on. And the fact that they have now canceled a show leads a lot of people to believe that WWE and Fox, their partnership may be coming to an end as soon as that contract expires. So real quick, um, if SmackDown were to leave Fox, um, where do you possibly see that going? To I know, it's a loaded Fox. question. I mean, is ABC too big? ABC would be under the uh, ESPN banner. Okay. ABC ABC shows college football games on Friday nights. No, they don't, do they? Yeah, they do. On Friday nights? Mm -hmm. I think it's like... They show ACC play, so yeah. On ABC? I thought that was ESPN. I think they do two games a night, one on ABC, one on ESPN. I'm pretty sure. You, that's how it was last year, at least. I don't know if it's the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was watching ABC the last night, and it wasn't, it wasn't college football. But regardless, um, I think ABC could be a pretty good option. But honestly, I don't know. What do you got, Christian? Uh, well, I always go to NBC as a possibility just because of the whole Peacock deal they have going on, and Peacock owns the NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. I've also thought maybe they just make USA the, the network for WWE shows, and they merge both Monday Night Raw and USA Network. Or that's, that, that's what I think should happen. Or excuse me, Friday Night SmackDown, merge that with USA, so that way just one whole network shows all the WWE shows, mm-hmm. rather than what you know, AEW does throughout the week being on TNT and TBS, you can have just one network and have it be that network for the channel, continue streaming pay-per-views on Peacock. I think everybody's happy. My vote would be NBC or USA Network. Yeah, I think my vote would be um, TNT and TBS. Yeah. <laughs> so about the, about the TNT and TBS thing, even though they are separate networks, they are under the same umbrella. Yes. The WWE network deals have never really made a ton of sense to me, considering USA, which is under the NBC Universal banner, and Fox are technically competing networks. I like what you're saying. Put them both on the USA network. You already have all the pay-per-views on Peacock anyway. So it seems like they have a really good working relationship with NBC Universal. Yeah. I say just expand on that. Just put SmackDown on USA. I mean, what airs on the USA Network on Friday nights? I don't 
to my knowledge, not just reruns. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's reruns like, of NCIS and uh, Suits, Monk. Yeah, they're like movies and stuff sometimes, like old movies. But other than that, really nothing that yeah is really worth watching. I mean, I I, there, I know there's a lot of NCIS fans, but it's mainly just a bunch of the old episodes because I've went and watched them sometimes. So it's not like a new episodes are coming out. So the Friday night spot would be open for SmackDown, but mm-hmm. would that cause any networking? issues for the network itself being that there's two large shows going on each week or can it work considering the fact one's on Monday, one's on Friday? I I think it works. I mean, you're bookending the week with it. Yeah. You're just paying a lot more money. And continue, and we agree to continue streaming on Peacock, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Or make the network again. Yeah, Yeah. that deal's not going to go away anytime soon, I don't think. The only thing I could see is them bringing the WWE Network back here to the States, but I honestly don't see that happening either. All right, what what do we get this week, Dylan, for uh, the weekly shows? All right, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. The Viking Raiders defeated the team of Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle. Uh, Ricochet also defeated Shinsuke Nakamura via DQ after Nakamura hit Ricochet with the chair. Uh, this match came about after Nakamura refused Rollins' demand for a rematch, which kind of doesn't make a ton of sense. But I think it ties into the whole mind games that Rick or uh, Nakamura is trying to play with Rollins. That match is going to happen. I see it happening at Fastlane. Yep. Um, and I think we're all in unison there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shayna Baszler defeated Zoe Stark via submission, and then. Um, Shayna reached out for a fist bump with Zoe. So there's there's a lot of reports that after the attack on Trish that Zoe was going to turn face and Shayna potentially working as a face. Um, I'll Could get, work. Yeah, I'm about to say, I'll get Kyle's thoughts on that towards the end of the show. Um, but I find that very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez defeated Chelsea Green uh, in singles action. The Miz had special guest John Cena on Miz TV. And he hit Cena with a uh, skull crushing finale. This was, was actually an invisible utterly game. awful. Yeah, this... <laughs> the Miz actually just uh, shadow boxed an individual, uh, in the in the invisible man. Jesus, um, this was definitely something Vince a hundred percent. And uh, JD McDonough defeated Sami Zayn Good. Uh, via pinfall with a roll up. Um, he's still trying to work his way into the Judgment Day. There's still no. Um, hasn't been confirmed if he is part of the Judgment Day. He did, however, give Damian Priest a brand new Money in the Bank briefcase. So cool. Which is sick. Um, It says Senior Money in the Bank on it, and it's painted purple. It's black and white purple. It fits the Judgment Day theme. I absolutely love it. Also, Jey Uso made his first appearance on Monday Night Raw as a solo competitor, Um, which I think was great. But the main event, uh, Chad Gable took on Walter for the Intercontinental Championship. This was a barn burner. This was everything we wanted it to be. Uh, Walter does pick up the win, so he officially breaks Honky Tonk's record, which is what we all wanted. Yep. But this is definitely setting up. I think Chad Gable is the guy to beat Walter. Um, I've said Sheamus. I've said Drew McIntyre. I'm now completely sold. Kyle has convinced me. you got to put the strap on Chad Gable eventually. Um, I think he's the right guy to beat Walter. But let's move on either, to SmackDown. Either him or Dragunov. Uh, Go on. Yep. Yeah, or Dragunov. Uh, I'm just saying for the story right now, Chad Gable fits. I'd... If you want to wait for a Dragunov 
call up, dude, they're like wrestling soulmates, Walter and Dragunov. So, uh, you know, that'd be golden. Perfect yeah. story. If you um, on SmackDown, Shotzi Blackheart and Charlotte Flair defeated Bailey at EO Sky in tag action, uh, following a distraction by Asuka. Asuka gets a little bit of a haircut. Um, LA Knight defeated Austin Theory uh, with the BFG. Uh, Grayson Waller was at commentary, so anyone who said that Grayson Waller and Austin Theory were a one-time tag team, <clears throat> Christian, um, you're wrong. <laughs> I love it. I love them together. I love, love it. this pairing. Yep. Perfect. Um, also, the Judgment Day, the team of Finn Balor and Damian Priest defeated uh, Pete Dunn and Rich Holland in Dude, tag this action. match was incredible. Yep. Yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun. Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits then had a face-off with the Judgment Day post-match. Good. Um, I'm all for those teams scrapping eventually. However, it doesn't really make a ton of sense considering they're both heels. <laughs> well, um, unless can, unless can, they're well, trying to portray Lashley and the Prophets as like aggressive baby faces, like I I I, I don't know. I think well, that fits Lashley and the Prophets as being aggressive baby faces, but the. <sighs> The way like the ads coming out and stuff, the way they dress, it makes you makes you think they're a heel. So if that's the case, you're right. We're getting two heel teams, but I mean, I'm not necessarily complaining. Maybe this is some type of war games match they do, but let's. Uh, I mean, maybe. Right, let's wait and see, because but I don't. I didn't watch NXT back then. Do, do they do three on three war games matches or no? It, yeah, it's either four or five. So you'd have to add one for both teams. So who yeah, do you... you could add uh, Omos and Kali. Real quick, we're getting off topic here. Also on SmackDown in the main event, uh, Jimmy <laughs> Uso, who's trying to vie for a spot back in the bloodline, wore the We The One shirt, uh, was talking to Paul Heyman. Uh, he defeated... Or excuse me, no, AJ Styles yep. defeated him yep. after hitting the phenomenal forearm. Uh, this came after a pre-match attack. Uh, Jimmy Uso attacked AJ backstage after his conversation with Paul Heyman. Um, so yeah, Jimmy's on his own. Jay's on his own. I love the fact that they're keeping those guys separate. But we all know this is going to lead to a brother versus brother match. Hopefully at, at WrestleMania. I think that's the only at way Mania. you can do yep. it. Yeah. Um, and that's going to tear the house down. I think those two are great. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's WWE this week. Um, pretty compelling stuff. No Roman Reigns, no bloodline, yeah. except for Jimmy Uso. Jay's on his own. Uh, Rollins is continuing his great feud with Nakamura. I've been a huge fan of that yeah. from the start. And I'm very, very happy that it wasn't just a one-off placeholders thing. And that Nakamura is getting a legit program with Seth Rollins. Yeah, I, I do think that I saw people complain about this whole bloodline story dragging. Dude, I, I mean, I think it's just getting to the next gear here with the uh, Jimmy stuff trying to get back to the bloodline. We'll see what Roman says when he comes back. I think there's a lot of tr- intriguing stuff. My my biggest problem is is Charlotte Flair. I, I don't know why she still has to win every match. I don't know why she always has to be in the title picture. We know whose hands are on that 100%, but... I love seeing Shotzi in that, in that main event scene. Love it. Oh, well, yeah. Charlotte is a Triple H girl, though. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch more on that a little bit later, but no, nah, I mean uh, he wouldn't do this every week, though. No. Really quick on your bloodline comment, it's like we've said for about 
I don't know, a good year now that since I've been on the show. The WWE fans, attention spans, aren't that good. And this story, it, this has been a really long story. I'm not afraid to admit it. But there's been so many layers that's needed to be there, and it needs to continue. But it needs to end at Mania, I think we all agree. It needs yeah, to end if, at Mania. Yeah. if it doesn't end at Mania, then you can start saying, okay. Getting this was all for nothing. Yeah. 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 It has to end at Mania, but yeah. before Triple H came, every WWE fan was complaining, we don't gain long-term storytelling. Well, well he changed that real quick. Here's the longest storytelling WWE's done in ever. And yeah. you guys are complaining about it. I don't yeah, know. Well, that's, that's WWE for it. But pretty good week for them. Uh, Christian, we're going to move on to you. Uh, what do you have for uh, AEW this week? Yeah, we go from a pretty good week of one company to a uh, rather midweek. And uh, no newsworthy stuff reported this week in AEW. Not that i seen. I don't know if you guys read anything. Not really. And <laughs> Just uh, seeing punk stuff, but go on. Well, yeah, we've, we've beat that yeah. down. But um, and really, not the uh, weekly shows weren't that great. So I'm going to cover the world title eliminate uh, eliminator tournament results instead of the whole shows. Yep. So Roderick Strong defeated Trent Beretta in singles action in the main event of Dynamite. Darby Allen defeated Nick Wayne in what I thought was the best match of the week for AEW. Agree, disagree. I don't care. Penta L Zero defeated Jay Lethal on Rampage to qualify for the quarterfinals. Personally wanted to see Jay Lethal win, but I understand why Penta won. Dude, Penta and Joe are going to tear the house down. Well, That's going to be physical. Thanks for uh, spoiling my next result. Oh, was that on Rampage? Oh, yeah. dude, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> dude, my bad. I didn't even know. Dude, I didn't even know that was on Rampage. But uh, in the main event of Rampage, Samoa Joe did defeat Jeff Hardy to move on in the tournament. How was that match? Uh, they, they, did you read anything about it? I was just wondering how Hardy did. Hardy did okay. He's they, 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 these two didn't fit very well. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Joe's style complemented Jeff Hardy that well. It wasn't a really long match either. It only went about nine minutes, maybe. Yeah, it's actually a little, little bit longer than I thought it would. It was kind. It of, was two thousand six. This would be a banger. It was kind of a squash in a way because Hardy didn't get of offense in, but I guess he got enough in to consider that it wasn't a squash, but Joe basically put him out. We all know where this tournament's headed. Yeah. Joe and MJF. So. Yep. Yeah. It's I'm... Cool, but it's AEW. Yeah, I mean, I think AEW is a, you know, a little up and down. I think they had some strides with MJF. Some of Joe's stuff was yeah. pretty good. I also think the Emmy Sakura and Chris Tatlander matches one of the best AEW women's matches of the year. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Cause I mean, it, it takes Emmy soccer. I've been, you know, I've been talking to her praises for a very long time. She's great. I mean, her and Chris Statlander really mesh. So it doesn't have to be all, it doesn't have to be all Britt Baker all the time. You you can use someone else. It's okay. But uh, yeah, AEW, I'm not really uh, vibing with this tournament a little bit just cause it's very predictable, but uh, Joe Pento would be fun. It will be, but that's exactly what it is, though. It's just very predictable, and AEW just falls into that habit too much. I get it. It's a pro wrestling tournament. A lot of pro wrestling tournaments are predictable for the most yeah, part. Yeah, even WWEs are, yeah. 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 I mean, maybe except for New Japan's G1 Climax, it's a, that's a little bit unpredictable. But Until you get to the finals, and then Okada wins LOL. 
<laughs> or Naito, but pretty much. But yeah. but they the quarterfinal, I'm I'm with you, especially this year, dude. They were going crazy, especially with Eva. Uh, Evil went to the like the final four, um, dude. It it was wild this year, but I get your point. But um, Dylan, what'd you think? Any thoughts? Yeah, uh, there was one story about AEW that I did find funny, and I debated making this my dummy moment, but I'll talk about it now. Um, <laughs> first collision without CM Punk, record low ratings. Um, yeah. also it was the first appearance by the Young Bucks on Collision. I don't find that a coincidence at all. Um, say what you want about Punk, we get how toxic he is. He he, he was the cancer of that locker room, and I think AEW will flourish now that he's not there. But the dude is box office. And um, I think if and when he lands somewhere, um, that company's going to make a ton of money if he well, goes anywhere. And also, he, the the Bucks are not out of you know aren't you know hundred percent innocent either. They had a lot to do with this story. You know, oh, yeah. you see, uh, was it Matt Jackson was you know mocking Punk around the ring? It's like, dude, like let it go. Like yeah. he's not there anymore. Why? Why yeah. are you still bringing him up? Yeah, yeah, let it go. I'm with you. Um, but as far as what AEW did turn out, um, it wasn't great, but I like that we're getting back to what seems like the OG era of AEW, um, the pre punk era. Um, Mm. and I think we're going to see some good stuff from AEW moving forward eventually. And, um, I think just got to get out of their, their weird, storytelling or lack of storytelling issues that they're currently having. Yeah. Uh, also, according on Thursday, according to Dave Meltzer, he believes that CM Punk could be coming back to AEW. So I don't see that happening at all. Could you imagine? There's a lot of people saying that uh, Punk's going to show up at a Survivor Series in Chicago. Well, uh, we'll have that discussion for another day, but AEW <laughs> is okay. But um, we're going to get into uh, something that I had this week. So the NXT rundown is going to be very long. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. So I'm not going to take too much time here. Uh, Impact Wrestling had their Victory Road event last night. Very interesting results. So Jordan Grace beat Deanna Perrazzo in her return match. Trinity beat Alicia Edwards. Alex, uh, Alexander beat Steve Macklin in a banger of a match. Uh, the Rascals successfully defended the tag team titles against the Motor City Machine Guns. Not sure if you guys saw this, but uh, Tommy Dreamer beat Kenny King in a title versus career match to win the digital media title. <laughs> Why? Uh, King taking losses to Tommy Dreamer. You might as well just kept the title in Joe Hendry at that point. But uh, Victory Road, besides that, was a very strong show, in my opinion. Uh, really strong showing by Alicia Edwards and Trinity. I thought that match was so much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, did you guys see the clip of Eddie Edwards just absolutely destroying Trinity through a table? Yeah. No, I did not see Oh, that. dude, Eddie Edwards <laughs> put the hurting on a powerbomb with Trinity through a table. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Dude, she sold that so well. That looked uh, cool. Oh, dude, it rocked. Like, it, yeah. it rocked. Um, overall, dude, I thought it was a strong week for Impact Wrestling. Yeah. Their, uh, their go-home show was actually pretty strong, too, for the most yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Good week for Impact. 
Yeah, and, and also uh, Mike Tanay and Don West going in the uh, Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame. Much yep. deserved. Yeah. Much deserved. Absolutely. All right, but that is uh, it for the Impact Wrestling news. Um, are you guys ready for the Indies this week? Yes, sir. Yep. All right, so this week I'll be highlighting Real Shoot Wrestling based out of the East Coast, but they do a lot of work in West Virginia specifically. Talking about some of the action, starting with Zeke Mercer beating Cowpoke Paul with a brain buster. Thunder Spud Roadshow beat Jimmy James and RJ Jonesy with 3D. Vance Desmond defeated Ashton Day with a curb stomp. And in the main event, Dustin Alexander beat Matt Taylor with a spine buster out of midair. Really cool finish to cap off a great night of action. My MVP of the night goes to Matt Taylor. This man wrestled in skinny jeans and a dress shirt, but he got so much heel heat from the crowd. Also loved his facial expressions throughout the contest. So go check out Real Shoot Wrestling on YouTube. How are you going to praise him for his attire when Baron Corbin did the same thing and we all hated it? Yeah, but dude, he's in the indies though, man. It's different. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, We'll be sure to tag both the promotion and Kyle's MVP on social media like we do every single week. So you guys can give them a like and a follow. And if there's any wrestler or promotion that you would like Kyle to highlight as part of his Indies wrestling segment, please send your suggestions our way on social media. Yeah, I think WWE's budget's a little bit bigger than real shoot wrestling. I, think, to, yeah, uh, I mean, you're attire. probably right. I'm uh, sure it's just a few dollars more. It's close. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really Yeah, close. I would see it's neck and neck. Pretty but... close. Yeah. <laughs> you like how Dylan thinks almost pretty close to a cotton wrestling uh, ability. But we're going to go to. Yeah. Better, better, better character work for sure. Uh, just saying, um, uh, Christian did say this week that uh, Orange Cassidy is better in ring than Okada, and that uh, that got oh, me a little whoa, whoa, whoa. No, Did you really? Hold on, I I did not tell you to say that on the show. Hold on. Yeah, hey, we we want to get into that, but he did say. It. Um, Ooh, so we'll be bringing that up for the end of the year awards for sure. Oh yeah, uh, dumbest so take of the year. Yeah, to. usually Dylan and I get hammered for it, but he's going to take some of the uh, the spotlight from us. But uh, speaking of spotlight, I'm the hot now, guy here. I'm the now hot it's guy. time for the star spotlight. Uh, Dylan, who do you have for us this week? All right, my star spotlight this week is Alex Zane. Um, I discovered Alex Zane through Instagram, of all things. I was just scrolling through the For You page, saw this dude doing some cool flips and um, hyping up Taco Bell. And I was like, this is the greatest wrestler I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, He's done a lot of work with New Japan Pro Wrestling um, over the last couple years, really. Uh, Pre-COVID, I think, is when he started working with Mm -hmm. New Japan. Um, He's also done some stuff with GCW, most notably in a losing effort to Blake Christian. That match went on about 21 minutes. Uh, This was was back in April at a GCW scene of the crime. Absolutely great match. Go check that out. He wrestled most recently for SHP, which stands for Sean Henderson uh, Presents, um, where he beat Matt DeMorist. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, This was done out of uh, Williamstown, New Jersey. So maybe a promotion that Kyle will highlight one day for the uh, indie segment. But um, also back in May, tagging with Lance Archer, um, he's done some really, really cool stuff. He's a big Taco Bell guy. He uh, used to work at Taco Bell, apparently. And he said that he broke his hand once and he had to retire from Taco Bell, uh, which is why he started wrestling. Um, he also calls his 16 consecutive employee of the months at Taco Bell his greatest accomplishment in his entire life. He's a really cool dude, really flashy outfits. Um, 
amazing moveset. So, guys, please go check out Alex Zane. Like I said, most notably, he's worked for New Japan Pro Wrestling and GCW. He's also done some stuff with Impact Wrestling as well and was once signed to WWE but was cut during the uh, pandemic, I believe, or shortly after the pandemic. Let's be honest. Yeah, he wasn't going with Vince. He so. wasn't going anywhere in, in Vince's WWE, but um, he's 36 years old. I, I, I'm not saying he's too old. Cody Cody is 38, one of the biggest wrestlers on the planet. L.A. Knight has had this huge resurgence. He's 40 years old. There's no doubt yeah. in my mind that Alex Zane can make it big for a massive promotion one day. He certainly has the talent for it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Christian, what do you got? All right, so this week, my superstar spotlight will go to Impact Wrestling X Division champion Leo Rush. This past Thursday on Impact, Leo Rush successfully, uh, well, he didn't successfully defend the title, but he did have a one-on-one match against Kevin Knight this week on Impact's Go Home show, successfully defeating Kevin Knight in what I thought was Impact's second best match of the week. Leo Rush continues to be a great X-Division champion, and he is a bright spot in a company that we well-documented has been on a weird spiral lately. I look for Leo Rush to hold the X-Division title quite a bit longer because there is not a ton of guys I would rather see take the X-Division title right now. He is a bright part of their future, and I'm excited to see where he goes from here. Yeah, ever since he's gone to Impact, he has definitely been one of the shining stars, in my opinion. He's been awesome. Fantastic match this past Thursday night on Impact too with Kevin. Yeah. And uh, who did he face? I think he faced Kushida last night, and I I didn't watch it, but I heard that it was really good. Yeah, he faced Kushida. Uh, was pretty good. So I yeah, that was gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back and that's probably a banger. But for mine, mine goes to free agent Willie Mack. This is a guy who has been all over the globe for a while. Impact, Triple A, ROH, Lucha Underground. But this week, he made waves in MLW as he main evented the Fury Road event against Alex Kane, which is an absolute banger of a match, even though he came up short. For a bigger guy, he can fly around the ring. He can sell at a very high level in his underrated striking game as well. So Christian made a claim last week that he believes Solo Sokoa is a top three big man in the world. I believe that, uh, that Willie Mack is a top three big guy in the world for his moveset, his selling ability, and his believability as well. So uh, if you have not seen anything of Willie Mack, please do it. Because, dude, I can't remember if it's 218, 219 impact. He had a couple matches with Brian Cage. It's oh, great stuff. Dude, great stuff. He, he's great. And his Lucha Underground stuff was special, too. So uh, so Willie Mack gets the uh, gets the nod this week. So a pretty good list from all of us. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Willie Mack's one of those guys that's kind of flown under the radar the past few years because he hasn't really been in a promotion. I mean, I'd say you could put him in WWE right now, and there's some guys I'd like to see him go at it with. So, yeah, oh, him and Bronson sure. would be good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Him and Bronson, I think he's been doing stuff with the ROH too. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll just have to see how where that goes. But um, all right, guys, uh, are you guys ready to move on to the uh, to the big portion of the show? Yeah. All right, well, um, dude, this is going to be a long rundown, so that's why I wanted to make my other part short. So uh, are you guys uh, ready to get into it? Yes, sir. All right. All right, guys, it is now time for the sixth edition of Celebration of Black and Gold, the greatest pro wrestling brand of all time, in my opinion. We will be reviewing every single takeover in this journey as I watch every single TV weekly show to better explain to you guys the builds for every match. 
This week, we review NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, which took place on August 22nd, 2015 at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. This marked the first TakeOver on the road outside Full Sail, like Dylan said last week, the home of black and gold. Let's get into how we got here. Tyler Breeze beat Bull Dempsey, Adam Rose, and Aaron Solo to gain some momentum. As TakeOver got closer, Breeze went to William Regal demanding a match at TakeOver on August 5th. It was announced... He would be facing the legend, the former WCW light heavyweight champion, Jushin Thunder Liger. I remember running around my family room when this was announced, dude. Great stuff. Uh, great video package introducing him. I got a holy shit chant uh, poured at full sale. As the expression on Bree's face told the whole story, look at the trust NXT had in him to face an icon like Liger. The VOD villains got a series of wins, including one against the Revival on July 8th. They defeated Enzo and Castlecan, number one contenders for the NXT Tag Team titles. Alexa Bliss at this point is meshing so well with Black and Murphy as they were able to defeat the VOD villains on July 29th. Thanks to distraction by Bliss, Regal announced a rematch for TakeOver and told the challengers to have a backup plan to contain Alexa Bliss. After defeating Solomon Crone singles action, Ty Dellinger at this point adopted the Perfect 10 gimmick. After a series of vignettes, Apollo Crews is ready to make his debut in Brooklyn as Dillinger accepted the challenge. Baron Corbin dominating opponents left and right, including names like Steve Cutler and Alexander Wolfe. Corbin demanded more competition, and that, uh, or I don't even know uh, what I was trying to say there, but uh, no man on the roster could kick out the end of days. Samoa Joe comes out, obviously, with the title scene being full. Joe needed a match, so I love the idea of putting him uh, with the up-and-comer like Corbin. Finally, we saw Corbin vulnerable as Joe looked even more badass. Really enjoyed the brawl between these two, marking the biggest match of Baron Corbin's career at this point. Sasha Banks successfully defended her title against Charlotte on July 15th, a banger, which also made it in the show. This was a week before Becky, Flair, and Banks debuted on Raw to start the Women's Revolution on the flagship show on the USA Network, but not but not within WWE as a whole. Um, after coming back from breaking her hand, Bailey beat Emma, Charlotte Flair, and Peggy Lynch to become number one contender. We have the boss versus the ultimate babyface as Banks underestimated the hugger every step of the way as we saw a more aggressive side of Bailey along this journey. The biggest women's match in NXT history at this point. Now we move on. After Finn Balor won at Unstoppable and secured the number one contenders match, we saw vignettes about his story, which was sensational, getting people to understand who Balor really is, showing his career in New Japan, especially with the Bullet Club, even his personal life too. Uh, after getting a series of wins, Owens was antagonizing Hideo Itami as the first brawl between Owens and Balor happened on June 24th. Balor pinned Owens' tag action, leading to Beast in the East. As Balor shocked the world by beating Owens in Tokyo, Japan for the NXT title where his legacy basically started. So I loved that storytelling. Absolutely mega risk by Triple H, but with Owens on the main roster weekly, this was a perfect way to test the waters with Balor as a champion, also making the full circle moment. This uh, was made a ladder match to cap off an amazing feud. Also, Billy Kay made her debut on June 10th. Chad Gable. And Jason Jordan had officially been a tag team on July 15th with the official theme song being We Like It Loud by Sleeping With Sirens. TJR Wrestling gave this event a 9 out of 10. So let's see how we uh, agree with that. Uh, are you guys ready to go? Yep. I feel caught up now. Yeah. So yeah. I just wanted <laughs> to get uh, everyone in the loop 
yeah, as, uh, as somebody, we uh, move on here. Somebody you, keeps forgetting to send me the shows I need to watch for the weekly shows. Oh, dude, uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't even have them on here in my rundown. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't even have the uh, the matches that you should watch. Oh, I, I'm just gonna go to my notes real quick. Uh, June 17th, Samoa Joe versus Kevin Owens. Samoa Joe and Balor versus Rhino and Owens on July 1st was a banger. Uh, also, Becky Lynch versus Bailey on August 12th. Uh, make sure you go check those matches out. Um, you guys ready to get started? Yep. yep. We started with one of my favorite moments of the night. Triple H in the ring telling us this would not have been possible without the fans chanting NXT 13,000 people uh, chanting it as Triple H said the famous words we are NXT honestly gave me a tear to my eye man I'm not even gonna lie to you I just love that moment one of my favorite moments in wrestling history now I'm gonna lie to you um, but we move on to the first match Tyler Breeze versus <laughs> Jushin Thunder Liger. This was not a match I ever thought I would see in my lifetime. I don't know about you guys. Tyler's entrance was awesome. As seeing Liger in NXT in the year 2015 is just crazy to think about. Breeze won the early strength advantage and taunted the legend, but eats an elbow drop to the back. Liger mocks Tyler, modified circle stretch. Got about halfway as Breeze got out of it. Big kick to the ribs as the Romero special is fully locked in. Big supermodel kick by Breeze for a near fall. Stanley leg drop as a more aggressive Breeze character in full effect here. Loved it. Uh, loved the stretch back uh, backstabber by Breeze. That ruled. I think we got a Roman sucks chant from the crowd too. <laughs> uh, rolling back kick by Liger. Tilt a world backbreaker, but missing the splash. Unloading shots on the, on the legend, but arguing with the ref cost him as he eats a somersault dive. Massive Liger bomb by Jushin Liger. Um, one, two, three. And Jushin Liger, after about, I think it went anywhere from, I think it was nine minutes, uh, yep. Liger gets to win there. Um, so I know what everyone's going to talk about, and that's the decision as Jushin Liger wins here. Um, I remember seeing and reading back here in about 2015 that Breeze was supposed to win. Like, Breeze was supposed to win this match. It was a late unknown change. Um, this was a lot of fun. Liger was 50 years old. I loved seeing him in a WWE ring. Uh, this was physical. Um, Liger was very physical in this match. The open palm strike showing the strong Japanese style as Breeze. Uh, Breeze was a megastar here. Leading Liger to a fun opening contest, selling his butt off for him. The pace was slower, but it fit the new Tyler Breeze character. Also, Jushin just... Wasn't flying around the rink like he used to. Uh, knowing Tyler Breeze, in my opinion, I think it was his call to have Jushin win just because that's how unselfish he is. Um, and you'll see that through his NXT career. Uh, I thought it was still a great way to start the show. I got the fans excited. And I thought at points this match was absolutely fantastic. Others were a little bit slower. But there was uh, definitely some, uh, some reasons there to why that happened. But everything it needed to be, about nine minutes, uh, got the job done. Uh, Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, everybody's going to talk about not only the decision, but the match time. But these people need to remember, Jushin is 50-some years old to this point. I think he was 54, actually. Yeah, and even that, he still looked very good in this match. Yeah. This match didn't need to go 25 minutes to kick off the show. Because the nine minutes we got was an entertaining nine minutes. 
And let me just say, this was a huge deal for Breeze, and it was a huge deal with the amount of trust that Triple H gave him to wrestle this legend. And I like how Jushin brought over the New Japan strong style a little bit rather than coming in and wrestling the NXT way because at the time, it was two very different styles. So, but I think bringing in Jushin kind of showed what style Triple H was going to want down the road. So bringing in a legend like him, and you know him and Breeze talked about this match before they went out there. You know, Jushin probably said, follow my lead and you're going to learn something from me. And you can tell that Triple H just had unloaded amount of uh, trust in Tyler Breeze throughout this NXT series we've been doing. So I can only imagine where he goes from here, unless this is his last match for some reason. It is not. Okay, good. Because I love watching Tyler Breeze from 2015. Watching back on it now, I wish he would have gotten the proper respect on the main roster. But Breeze just continues to blow my mind every time he steps in the ring during these NXT series. No, I, I, my, it might be wrong, but Dylan, does... October of 2015 sound about right when Breeze debuted on the main roster. Uh, I thought I, it was sometime in 16. Was um, it? Was it before the brand split? I I think for, it. For whatever reason, I'm picturing in my head that he was called up around the brand split to fill out the SmackDown roster. Or am I wrong? I well, we'll see. I, I guess yeah. we'll see. All okay. right, don't go ahead. Yeah, I thought this was a fun opener. Um, I certainly never thought I'd ever see Tyler Breeze versus Juicin Thunder Liger <laughs> at an NXT TakeOver event. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And the crowd was red hot. Yeah. yeah. Red hot. You can tell they're very excited for the atmosphere, like you said. First time in a major arena outside of Full Sail. I'm pretty sure they were chanting Full Sail sucks at one point. Um <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but so the crowd's electric. The match was a lot of fun, very physical. I thought it was a, a good way. I don't know if safe is the right word to use, but. It, it definitely, if any of the matches, this was the safest way to go. Well, yeah, I mean, like, yep. as, in, as in how to start a card, I feel like this yep. was the safest bet. You're going to start with a legend uh, going up against a guy who has been heavily featured on NXT TV and TakeOvers. <laughs> For the last year, year and a half or so, it feels like, up to this point. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a safe way to open the card. You knew they were going to put on a nice match. Nine minutes. I'm not going to gripe about the time. I thought it worked. And um, I do think Breeze should have won here, but it was still a competitive match, and I'm all for that. Yeah, I, would you give it? Oh, go ahead. I actually don't hate Thunder Liger winning here. I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this was a one-off for Liger, but... Yeah. I still think the moment was great. And yeah. um, I, in my personal opinion, I do think Breeze was the one to say, listen, let, let's give him the one here. Just because that's, that's who the, how the person uh, Tyler Breeze is. And uh, he's very unselfish, like I said. But um, Dylan, what you grade to a five? I uh, went 3.1. All right, go ahead, Christian. I went 3.5. I went 3.4. So uh, we're all around the, uh, the same mark there. Um, before we move on. We see Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Dylan's guy X-Pac in the crowd, uh, followed by a vignette for the soon-to-debut Nia Jax. So um, definitely was a little bit earlier than I remember her being on NXT, but um, we will get into her very, very soon. 
Um, let's get into the next match, and I'm very excited for it. Vaude Villains challenge Blake and Murphy for the NXT Tag Team titles. Alexa Bliss starts on the mic, claiming the challengers do not have an equalizer for her. As Blue Pants comes out to a huge ovation and fits this group so well. The presentation for the Vaude Villains is actually one of my favorite presentations in wrestling history. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Blue Pants City chants in the crowd as uh, Gosh puts Blake in an incredible rolling armbar. Have to expect a slower pace because of the characters that the Vaude Villains are. Big drop kick by English. Back to the attack on the left arm, but a double arm drag by English. Uh, arm stretched by the challenger as they are rolling. Blake Towns da- takes down English off the apron. Nasty fall. The champions lock in submissions. Beating the Vaude Villains at their own game. Mocking the gentlemen. Side headlock wrenched in. Love the double team maneuvers by the champions, including the diving forearm. Blake takes Gotch uh, out before a tag. Love the double neck breakers by the champions as Murphy selling the close call with his facial expressions. Just the little things that they uh, that they're learning there. Double tags. Gotch with a huge knee strike followed by another big forearm in the corner. Double power bomb by the champions. Swanton bomb for a near fall. Gotch tags back in as Blue Pants takes Bliss off the apron. Eats a big splash as these two brawl on the outside. Gotch and English hit the whirling dervish. One, two, three. The crowd explodes. Um, absolutely love the whirling dervish as a finisher. And they actually do win the NXT Tag Team titles. Alexa Bliss was absolutely incredible here. And she was throughout the whole uh, feud. Uh, Blue Pants coming out was perfect storytelling because out of anyone on the roster, she was the one that fit the VOD villains. I was very impressed by Murphy and Blake here. I really was because they adapted to the VOD villain style, the slow, technical, old school style with many submissions. The former champions had very clear, uh, had very clear mishaps, which was their downfall in the end. These two teams meshed very well. I thought chemistry was on point as the crowd was red hot. So many stories like being told within this, like, what, 10-minute match. Uh, this was not perfect, obviously, but such an enjoyable match. I think it was my favorite NXT tag team title match to this point. Great decision uh, with the Vaude Villains winning because I, I think Blake and Murphy might have been getting a little stale at this point. So the Vaude Villains getting the nod there uh, was the right move. And a uh, shout-out to Blake and Murphy because I believe this was their last takeover. Um, before, I don't know if they went up or what they were doing at this point, but uh, I really like this match, dude. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, don't what you think? Yeah, this this was this was a good match. Um, there was a stretch of time, and Kyle will remember this, and Christian, you'll you'll see it eventually, where NXT really valued the tag division, and this kind of felt like the start of that. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, the other takeover tag matches were great, but just the way this was presented, the storytelling involved, I feel like was, was a little better than, than previous ones. Um, and yeah, it just really felt like it, it felt like they were really starting to value that division even more. Um, and then they go on the string of, well, Kyle will know the, the great tag matches, which we'll get to, but, um, yeah, I like, I like the VOD villains as champions here. I like them picking up the win. Um, the appearance by blue pants. I remember when that happened in 2015. Um, blue pants was all over the Indies. I remember she was just in, she just got cut by AW. Leva Bates. 
Yeah, well, recently. But I'm talking about 2015. I remember she was all over the indies. And I don't think I'd ever seen, like, her. I'd only heard her name, like, Ah. on, on wrestling social media. So this was genuinely my first time ever seeing Blue Pants. And how over she was that night. She was crazy over. The crowd was red hot for her. Um, Yeah, this match went about, I think I'm seeing the timestamp was about 10 minutes, 16 seconds or something like that. Everything it needed to be. Yeah, it was, it was fine. Great storytelling, like I mentioned, and uh, it was, it was presented very well. And um, the new champs, the, the win here definitely worked. All right, Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I share uh, Kyle's sentiment that, Blake and Murphy were great, yes, but they were getting a little stale as the tag champions. And the villains were definitely over. And then adding Blue Pants, that reception she got coming out, it was definitely the villains night, right? Like, Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I knew it from the start. Yep. Yeah, I think we all knew from that point, like, okay, the villains are winning. But I like how Alexa Bliss and Blue Pants both were in, like involved while the match was going on rather than just being managers. They went after each other, and there was a spot, I believe, where Alexa Bliss goes to punch, I think, Aiden English, which, by the way, would have caused a DQ. So what does Blue Pants do? She steps in, stops her, match continues. I thought that was a good little touch they yep. added. And um, it was it's nice to see a fresh tag team win it because Blake and Murphy, this is only since we started this NXT series, this is only the – they were only the – third tag champ right because we had them the lucha bros and the ascension yeah so the tag the tag championships definitely needed a new face because i think at this point they were starting to run out of names that could beat blake and murphy because i forget who they beat on the last takeover they beat that end zone cast that's right yep so it needed a change and it got the right change and i do like how blake and murphy did adapt to the vaudeville style I mean, the villains, man, they just play, they played that role so well. I, I would assume a lot of people would see something like this and think it's cringe. But I actually really like it because you wouldn't see that really anywhere else. No. Style and the, the presentation when they make their entrance, the lights go out, it's all black and white. Feels like it's the 1950s, and I think it's really cool. And they dress the part, too. Ah, just, oh, dude, that presentation. Ah, man, just love it. Um. Great. Christian, what'd you give it a five? I'm gonna go three seven. All right, go ahead, Dylan. Uh I'm at three four. Uh I give it a three eight. Uh I'm pretty high, but dude, I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh shout out to uh, Blake and Murphy for a very good takeover run as they uh get to the next part of their career. But um before we move on, we see Finn Balor walk in to take over with Adrian Neville and Antonio Cesaro. Yeah, Antonio Cesaro. Uh, plus, music producer Rick Rubin was in the crowd. Um, we move on to the uh, to the next match here. Ty Dillinger taking on Apollo Crews. Loved the way Dillinger played off the perfect 10 gimmick. Oh, my gosh, dude. Had it on you know, the back of his head. You could see the pure excitement on the face of Apollo Crews finally making it to NXT. Uh, Dillinger showing off to the crowd. Cartwheel springboard reversal by Apollo. Jump up drop kick by the formerly known as uh, Uha Nation. That was uh, Apollo Crews' name uh, in the Indies. Big drop kick by Dillinger. Really controlling the new uh, wrestler next. He's sleeper hold by Ty. Perfect game plan by Dillinger slowing down though. quick Apollo Crews. Super kick by Ty. Uh, giant Zaguri by Apollo. Giant spinning lariat. 
pop-up clothesline gorilla press uh, drop followed by a moonsault as Apollo gets the win in about four minutes here. Uh, I never thought this was going to get a lot of time, but I am glad Dillinger got some offense in, so this wasn't a squash. Uh, Apollo at this point, dude, Apollo Crews in 215 was insane. Who, uh, dude, uh, who at this point would we have thought maybe the future of NXT? I, Dude, like that, he had that potential. A very good showcase by Cruz. Uh, Dillinger got to test out the perfect tank gimmick even more. Um, anything under five minutes, I, I don't really grade. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but uh, just because we're I, – I, I just don't think we have enough to base it off of anymore. So anything off of five minutes, I really didn't give a grade. But it was a nice little showcase at the time got, that they uh, got done, I thought. Yeah, it was um, – this is, this is that classic – here's the new guy that we yeah. have kind of match yep. where they're going to go out there, do some flashy stuff for four minutes and then leave. Not saying this was a squash by any means, but mm-hmm. like you said, yeah, this was never going to give a ton of time. Right. Yeah. Um, this was just meant to show off the fancy new toy that NXT had, which was <sighs> Apollo Crews. Also um, shout out to Ty Dillinger here at this point. He had been wrestling for like over a decade. He was just yeah. looking for a break. Remember, he was Stan. Do you remember Stan? That's right. Super kick from uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was his big claim to fame until the NXT stuff really took off. The Perfect Ten stuff. So, so it was really cool to see him get that spot with an incoming star. Who remember Apollo Cruz on the Indies before this? This was a huge signing for WWE. Yes. they made a big deal about this. Yep. Um, so obviously he was going to win and, uh, kudos to Dillinger for holding his own despite only being a five minute match, um, and being trusted with that spot too. I think that, that, that speaks volume to the guy he is. Yeah. What'd you think Christian? Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, he, you know, here's the new guy. We're going to put him in the ring five minutes. Let him, let him, I guess he really didn't dominate, but they made him look very strong. Mm-hmm. Dillinger did a great job putting him over. And, yeah, he definitely was a big hype signing. You could tell there was big potential plans for this guy. And, I mean, I know what it was a few years ago with Apollo Crews on the main roster. He was an Intercontinental Champion, though, to be fair. Yeah, but, that awful gimmick he, that they put on him. <laughs> yeah. He just wasn't featured very well. Here in NXT, they treated him like a big deal. And by the way, can anyone name a guy that's more jacked than Apollo Crews? Dude, at this time, oh, dude, especially on NXT, yeah, dude, dude he he's was... built like no one else I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, Dylan kind of looks like him though. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very close representation of Apollo. <laughs> Crews. Yeah, just, uh, just a different skin color there. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan looks really close to Ty Dillon, or uh, for to Apollo Crews, but. Uh, yeah, we're not going to grade it just because I don't think we have enough to base it off of. But I thought it was a pretty cool uh, little segment match that they had going on there. Uh, William Regal announces the beginning of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So this was a lot different than your normal like tag team tournament because they used this as a way to put guys on a team that are not full-time teams and like an all new kind of experience to basically like get a long, a long-term feud out of it. And you'll know exactly what I'm talking about very, very soon. So the tag team, Dusty Rose tag team classic. Um, this was just off of his unfortunate death. 
uh, rest in peace to Dusty, but um, we will see the final four finalists for Tough Enough in the crowd as well, uh, including Sarah Lee, rest in peace, and Mandy Rose was uh, was in the mm-hmm. was on that ringside as well. Just that's, really weird. Remember ZZ Dylan, <laughs> the guy who wrestled the alligators? Yeah, dude. I <laughs> wanted ZZ to win, dude. I wanted him to make it. Dude, and then the Josh guy they used as the Yeti. Oh, God, dude, that was. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that just didn't work out for those guys, unfortunately. But, um, what, a, what a time. Yeah, what a time in uh, 2015, Dylan. Yeah. Um, so, Mojo versus Baron Corbin. Love the pre video package. Cor- uh, new theme song for Joe as well. Um, absolutely. This is actually one of my favorite Joe uh, themes that he's ever had. Uh, I was very excited for this one. This was the biggest match of Corbin's career. Power struggle was dead even as the knees to the ribs, attacking the arm, even going for a Kerfuta clutch by Joe, spending insecurity but insecurity by Joe, drop kick, sending Corbin out of the ring as he follows that with an intended dive but eats a huge forearm. Corbin is cutting uh, down Joe but gets put in a half crab, changes the strategy with a crossface. Corbin reaches for the rope as Joe bends his arm back just perfect technical game by Joe. Corbin gets tossed uh, in the barricade, but gets back in the fight with a uh, with a heel hook. I did not imagine we would ever see like a technical fight involving Baron Corbin, but that's kind of what we got here. We saw Baron Corbin lock in a lot of submissions. Uh, chop by Joe, deep six by Corbin as we, we go back and forth. Super kick, uh, back kick by Joe as both guys are down. Now we see these two slugging on each other. Massive punches to the face. Multiple slaps by Joe. Giant back fist into the face on Corbin. Front suplex off a big boot for a two count. Lovedo commentary said Corbin was doing very well for his longest match to date. Corbin hits a double choke slam but gets caught with the... the oh, was it the Carafuda clutch or the Kokina clutch? I can't remember which one it was. As yeah. the, ref, the ref does call for the bell... So Corbin doesn't tap out. He passes out in a very smart finish as Joe wins here. Uh, this was at a time where Corbin was still very green, but I felt like it played well into the finish as Joe, being the veteran, just caught him off guard. A lot of good, uh, big kicks. Favorite part of the match was the back-and-forth strikes by these two just punching each other in the face. Yes, the pace was slow. Corbin was gassed at the very end. But my goodness, I thought this was a very physical bout, which was Corbin's best match. Uh, Joe was good as always. I feel like they could have a better match, but again, checked every box, got a good amount of time, and the finish was brilliant. Uh, making Corbin look strong. This was also a sense that the developmental side of NXT was starting to fade as the established star indie guys were here to no pun intended take over so um so christian what'd you think of the match i'm sorry i had to laugh at that i i mean i had to do it you you say these two could have a better match i don't know i thought this match was pretty awesome especially when it got to the point where joe hit that spinning back fist and they're just striking each other in the face as hard as they could this was a fight and then we we even got some technical warfare from both of them with Mojo, he's pretty technical. He can be a technical wrestler. He can be. But Baron Corbin getting technical? 
that's something I thought I would never say. So I was utterly shocked. But just showed these two, at least for Baron Corbin at the time, could kind of do anything. And then this felt like the match that, like, Baron Corbin's been the big bully for a while. But now an even bigger bully is beating him. So he's no longer the big guy on campus. Did that, you like the decision? Yes, because I it, did too. Yep. It protects Baron Corbin. He didn't tap out. Yeah. There's a difference. It's the whole, it's like what we talked about with Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar when they did that pass out spot. It didn't hurt Cody. Not at all. He just passed out. He didn't, if he tapped out, then yeah, you could say it hurts him, but he passes out and it's still, it saves Baron Corbin. It protects him. I thought this match was awesome. I don't have a ton of complaints about it. I don't either. Uh, don't go. I yeah, thought it was thought, very well written. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought the match was fine. I liked what Christian said um, about Baron Corbin, who up to this point had been like the bully of the division. I know he had that match with Rhino. That kind of felt like the first big test, I yeah. guess. Um, but this one felt legit. Like now there was a bigger bully on the playground. Um, but I also like the fact that Corbin had been presented very strong up to this point. It would have been super easy to have him tap out and look look poor here. But I like the fact that they went with the pass out finish. I felt like it worked. It fit the Baron Corbin gimmick at the time. Um, and this was the first like true, at least in my mind, the, the first true glimmer of like, Oh, Baron Corbin is 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 a player, you know. Like yeah. like he can he can hang with some of the best. I mean, Joe at the time, you can argue is a little past his prime, maybe, but the dude can still go even to this day. Can still go. Um, nope. He's just he's just a million bucks. Like Samoa Joe is going to go down as one of the greatest in ring workers, I think, in pro wrestling, especially on independent wrestling. Um, and it was it was nice to see Corbin get that that opponent on this stage and Kyle, you, you, you said it best, you know, with the signings that WWE was making around this time, NXT was definitely transitioning from a developmental brand to a pro wrestling brand. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're signing the indie stars and oh, some of the names that we still have to go. Oh, like you could, you, you could sense change in NXT, you know, first, first show out of full sale, Samoa Joe's heavily featured. Like, the sky's the limit right now for NXT. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, uh, Dylan, what did you give it out of five? I went um, 3.6. Definitely much higher I thought I'd go for a Baron Corbin. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, Christian, what did you give it? I gave it a solid four. I gave it a 3.9, dude. I loved it. I, I, Dude, Corbin here. I actually think this is maybe Corbin's best match ever. That I have seen. I don't know if you guys can like point out a better like one on one match that he's had, but this was definitely up there. Oh yeah, up to this point, hundred percent. Um, yeah. yeah I agree. So, so we cut to the audience where Sergeant Slaughter, Ric Flair, and Kana, aka Asuka, yes, was in the ring. So this was one of the most important. Important days in NXT history because, oh boy, Dylan, do we have stuff coming for Asuka. <laughs> um, also, um, Team Bad, Naomi and Tamina, one of uh, Christian's favorite tag teams of all time, were in oh, the crowd. Um, S- Stephanie McMahon came out, hyping up the women's title match, saying, though, they are not slotted in the main event, 
they are the main event. So here we go. Uh, this was one of the matches like I circled for Christian to watch as soon as we started the series. Um, this, the most important women's match in NXT's history, and this could even go down as the most important women's match in North American wrestling history, in my opinion. Um, here we go. Bailey challenges Sasha Banks for the NXT women's title. Their pre-match video package was flawless, showing the obstacles Bailey had to overcome to get here. Sasha telling everyone how she is the best and how a little girl cannot become champion. The underdog, the hugger, who has become so close so many times versus the final boss, the standard. So here we go. Great tribute to Dusty with Bailey's ring gear. Love the entrance by Sasha. This story has been absolutely sensationally written. Big fight feel as the emotion by Banks is showing. This starts as an all-out fight. Back elbow by Bailey, flying forearm. The more aggressive side of Bailey's showing. Love the springboard elbow drop as Sasha was in the trio. Well, Sasha's ratchet chance from the crowd. Uh, that was uh, not what I was expecting in 2015, but what a time <laughs> that was. Uh, <laughs> Through the rope drop kick by the hugger. Missed double knees by Sasha. These two know each other so well, playing so much into the story. The boss greets separation, kicking Bailey off the top rope. Sasha mocking Bailey, and the attack is on. Swinging elbow, big slap to the face, full arm stretched by the champion. Goes for the double knees, but gets caught once again. Goes for one from the top rope and connects. Bailey tries to get back into the fight and gets her arm swung into the second rope. Now she is uh, going after the injured hand that was broken months ago. Just love the full-on assault uh, of the body parts. Sasha dives on the outside uh, onto Bailey, literally over the ref. That was insane. Uh, this is awesome chance by the crowd. Sasha goes for a top rope arm drag and gets tossed on the outside. Bailey showing a lot of emotion, exploding with a comeback explorer suplex in the corner. Counter by Sasha, putting her in the bank statement. One of the coolest things I've seen in so long, dude. So she has her in the bank statement. Bailey is reaching out for the for the bottom rope. Sasha kicks her injured hand, and then she swings back and gets her into the middle of the ring. Bailey reverses that as she is now in the bank statement locked in. Bailey to belly out of nowhere for a near fall. This is awesome chance. Just continue the pour on. Uh Dude, these two on the top rope uh, as Bailey goes for a hurricane Rana and falls face first on the canvas. Nasty fall. Meteor by Sasha Vernier fall. Crowd was dead even on who they wanted to win. From the top rope, Bailey hits an inverted poison Rana, throws the, uh, what was it, her arm armband or whatever it was. Uh, mm -hmm. Bailey to belly. And we have a new <laughs> NXT champion. The entire four women have a moment in the ring it's just how awesome was that um dude women's wrestling was officially on the map in wwe if it was not already already dude this match was flawless the the character work by sasha mocking bailey throughout the whole match bailey just kept trying to fight keep her dream alive everything just made so much sense Banks not believing Bailey could hang with her. Uh, the, in the hand injury. Could Bailey find the extra gear as she did that? And so much more to become the NXT champion. These two know each other so well.
the counters, the near falls, the high intensity spots. But my favorite aspect was the raw emotion that these two showed. Uh, they knew they were creating history, paving the way for so many more women who followed. This match is historic, but it's just also an all-time banger. Classic, in my opinion. Bailey overcame all the odds after every pitfall in her way. Shout out to both women. They were incredible. Commentary was awesome. They rocked. And we also have to give credit to Triple H and the team for making this happen. Um, There's just not much to say about it, Dylan. What did you think? Yeah, there's not much I can say that hasn't already been said about this match over the years. Um, I love how Triple H presented women's wrestling um, in WWE. It's the first time that it was treated seriously. Yeah. Um, And that obviously did carry over eventually to the main roster, thank God. Um, But again, like, you know, I, I... I said this about some other matches on this card. Like you could sense like something in the air. Like there's like, there's change and it's good change and it's positive change. Um, and this is just one of those things as well. Um, I thought these two tore the house down, you know, not much else can be said about Bailey and banks um, and their chemistry that they've had over the years. Um, I know Kyle's not a huge uh, Mercedes fan, um, I would hope that one day we get to see this match at least one more time because these two, like I said, always had great chemistry. They always tore the house down. Didn't matter if it was a TV match, a takeover, or pay-per-view, or, or you know, whatever. Um, these two always did something special when in the ring with each other, and this was no different. Um, and, you know, we, we say this a lot on this show, strike the iron while it's hot. Dude, there wasn't many people more over in not just the women's division, but in NXT or even WWE as a whole than Bailey. Oh, she was, yeah. So yeah. putting putting the belt on her obviously makes sense because Banks was just called up to the main roster at this time. Um, and Bailey was the one that was kind of staying behind to run the division a little bit. Um, but, dude, she was also, like I said, the most over thing in WWE, arguably. So putting the belt on her made so much sense in the world. And uh, I love the moment at the end, just true class act uh, with all four of them. Uh, Dylan, really, do you, really cool. Dylan, do you remember Izzy that like the girl that wore her attire and like she would hug and stuff at full sale? Like the little girl that the little girl. She inter- yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. she's a wrestler now. Really? She is a wrestler. She just had her first match and that makes me feel really old. Yep. Um, Christian, what'd you think? Wow. That was awesome. That that's up there, I think. This is all my opinion. This is all opinion based. That's up there for the greatest women's match ever. In, oh, it's gotta be. It's gotta in, be. In any company, any generation, any era, it doesn't matter. For for the past couple months now, I've been saying Rhea's and Charlotte's WrestleMania match was up there. And that match was really good at Mania. Don't get me wrong. But this... Kyle, you told me to circle this... Well, you said circle a match on the calendar. You didn't say which one it was. But you you told me I'll know when it happens. (laughs) (laughs) And this match just took my breath away. Storytelling. You know, working the injured hand. the, the, The technicality. The technical wrestling. The writing was just all flawless here. And like Dylan said, just how over Bailey was. 
the scrappy underdog, the one that couldn't do it, the one that shouldn't be able to do it, did it. And and it was done at their first show outside of Full Sail University. It was done at their first arena show. So you know that place absolutely exploded, and deservedly so. I even kind of popped a little bit. This happened eight years ago. This match was perfect. I, I can't say anything else about it. It was perfect. Um, let, real quick, let's let's get into the grade. Christian, what'd you give it? Five. Yeah, Dylan. Five. Yeah, yeah. Fives all around the board. This is one of the easier ones that we've had in the uh, in the time of NXT. Hot take. I got a hot take. This is the best best NXT match we've seen to date. Well, let's see if the next one can top it. <laughs> Kevin Owens. Good luck. It's Finn Bauer. Yeah, imagine following this, Dylan. Yeah. Um, but these are two great workers, so uh, let, let's see how they did. Uh, Kevin Owens for, versus Finn Balor in the latter match for the NXT title. I sound like a broken record, but NXT does a great job with video package. That's, I think we all agree, right? That's just oh. a WWE thing yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah. that is true. Uh, uh, Owens said he visited a WWE pay-per-view when he was younger. Now he is the main eventing this show. Uh, just an awesome little tribute thing there. Uh, man, how cool was Ballard's entrance? It gave oh. you goosebumps. Oh, he's This great. had a big fight feel, too. And uh, here we go. Uh, Ballard goes right after Owens. A big dropkick to the face, big elbow, into a senton. Gets, uh, gets Owens down. Uh, Ballard gets the upper hand with a double stomp. Perfect cannonball by Owens. Really liked the strategy by not by Ballard not letting Owens get a ladder. Uh, Kevin mocking Zane with the with the shoulder injury was awesome, but eats a sling blade. Owens drives Balor with the with the ladder into the ring apron. Multiple shots with the ladder. I also loved how he teased a big shot, but instead he just went around the ladder and punched him in the face. That got a pop out of me. Action spills into the crowd. The demon goes back first into the barricade, but a big drop uh, backdrop by as Owens lands on the concrete. Owens absolutely throws Balor onto the announced table. Owens goes to get a ladder, but Balor drop kicks the ladder onto the face of Owens. Tope suicida by Balor, but gets collided by the standing ladder. As commentary said that this is the first match Finn Balor has ever been a part of. Pele kick by Balor, massive lariat by Owens, followed by a suplex and a senton on top of a ladder by Kevin. Owens takes an absolutely wicked backdrop on a unfolded ladder owens goes for a cannonball misses and goes uh, right into a ladder coup de gras by the demon love the pop-up power bomb off a ladder this is awesome chance by the crowd owens goes to climb the ladder but balor tips it uh tips it over as owens falls back uh first into the corner giant sweep kick by balor pop-up power bomb by owens on the apron which looked brutal Two super kicks by Kevin Owens takes a ladder and gets uh, and sets it inside of another one as it sits on the turnbuckle. Goes for an exploder suplex as these two struggle on top of the ladder. Kevin Owens falls back, dude. Goes neck first into that ladder. Oh god, dude, that looked gruesome. Coup de gras from the ladder. Balor climbs up, grabs the title as he retains the NXT title. Uh, this was a banger. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. Uh, this was absolutely fantastic. For the amount of spots that made you cringe, this was physical. These two put their careers on the line with every move. 
I love that they use the ladder so much. Dude, they used it on pretty much every move at the end. Also, every time that they used the ladder, it had purpose. Battling in the crowd, up on the entrance, on the outside, they were everywhere. The finish was incredible. These two just have wicked chemistry with each other, and it paid off in the biggest main event to date. This is what a ladder match should look like. Kudos to everyone involved as we officially take off into a new era as uh, NXT and NXT, as this, unfortunately, is the official goodbye for Kevin Owens. What a run, as he cements his legacy in black and gold forever. Dylan, what do you think of the match? Yeah, uh, real quick, before I get to the match, you talk about Kevin Owens' legacy in NXT, but, like, his run was not that long. It wasn't, <laughs> That's just dude. how impactful yeah. he was um, during the black and gold era. Um, this match was was near perfection um you don't see a lot like first off this was a fun spot fest you know like ladder matches are their car crashes people get hurt um but this had a lot of good storytelling elements in it as well there was a moment where owens was still continuing that off-screen feud with Sami Zayn, where he's mocking the shoulder injury (laughs) um which i thought was really cool but also like between these two as well they've been feuding for a nice little bit up to this point um revolving around this title so you know it's not like these two are complete strangers to each other um so yeah i thought i thought it was very very well done very well produced very well paced Balor retaining here was definitely the right move um it didn't really drag uh went just under 22 minutes which i thought is possibly the perfect time for a ladder match yeah you don't want 45 minute ladder matches but you also don't want eight yes you don't want eight that, that nice, clean 18 to 25-minute range is where I'd like to see ladder matches stay. This was this was perfect. Good um, and, yeah, yeah, dude, this was very physical, a lot of fun, right winner, just just a chef's kiss. Yep. What did you think, Christian, of the match? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have known, or I probably forgot, if this is Kevin Owens' last time being on these takeovers, I think this was the perfect way to blow off a feud. You get a physical car crash like this. Both guys go in, do a little storytelling. And there was some pro wrestling, too, in this match. Don't get me wrong. This Especially at the beginning. Yeah. 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 This wasn't just an all-out car crash, which I know as me being extreme and all that, I do want to see in a ladder match like this. But having a little bit of pro wrestling in these matches does add to it for me because it shows they're still trying to put on for the crowd. But at the same time, Still trying to wrestle a style that WWE, I'm talking the main roster here, has never really done a a true pro wrestling. So it showed NXT was committed to that, even in a match that's meant to be a car crash, which I think is great. Finn Balor, I can never say enough good things about him. From his entrance to the end of the match, I enjoyed watching every single second of him. And Kevin Owens, you guys are right. His impact in NXT was just insane. He was, we reviewed, this would be his third takeover with him. Mm-hmm. And three takeovers, he's done. That just shows that he basically came in, got his shit done, walked out. Which, I wasn't, I'm not complaining. If that's yeah. all, I, I mean, I, that's that's pretty much the Kevin Owens character. It was, yeah. It's very much Stone Cold-esque. Arrive, raise hell, and leave. Yeah, which is what he perfect. did. Yeah. It, feels like we just reviewed the takeover where he was making his debut. Yeah, we were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
now he's gone, which I kind of wish they would have done a Sami Zayn Kevin Owens match in NXT again. Like again, like oh, like the third one. Yeah, but they already had main roster plans for him, so there's really not nothing yeah. Triple H could have done. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that, but yeah, this match was a fun car crash. I of course enjoyed every second of it, and I'm really curious as to where Finn Balor's reign goes from here. Very interesting stuff to follow. But, uh, Christian, give it a grade out of five. I have it very high, so. I went a 4.8. All right, uh, Dylan, go ahead. I'm at 4.5. I give it a 4.7, so we're all around the same. Uh, Very, very good match to uh, end TakeOver Brooklyn, one of the most historic NXT TakeOvers, uh, literally, of all of of them. So, um, very good stuff there. Starting with Dylan, final thoughts, match of the night, and gridded out of 10. Yeah, this, um, the big, the big key word was presentation here. It was about time that this brand got presented like a true major brand. And that's what this card felt like. You have not only a stacked card with, with icons and legends in professional wrestling, like you kick off the show with Juice and Thunder Liger. You have um, Samoa Joe wrestling at his first takeover. That's treated like a big deal. Um, you have the big main event, which is arguably the two biggest independent wrestling signings at this point that NXT has made, and they're main eventing the show. And then you have a killer women's match um, between two rising stars. You, you get that sense of change is yeah. in the air, and it's presented like a big deal, and – that was awesome. Match of the night easily goes to uh, the women's match. I don't yeah. think there's there's any question in that. But this card was was very, very well done. Very well paced. The matches that didn't need to go a lot of time didn't go a lot of time. The matches that deserved time got the time they deserved, I felt like. It was a very yeah. well produced and paced show. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to go 8.6. 8.6. All right, Christian, go ahead. I'm a little bit – I'm quite a bit higher than Dylan, actually. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is – I mean, I feel like we said it last takeover, but it just shows how much they keep evolving in these takeovers. The, the feeling of change is definitely there, and the standard is slowly being set of what Triple H wants, and that is a true pro wrestling company. And it's a pretty high standard, too. That, that's <laughs> very high. Not, not in a bad way, but like- – no. Triple H expects a lot from his talent. Which, he runs this shit. He should expect yeah. a lot. And the wrestlers themselves should also expect a lot. And you can tell in this pay-per-view specifically, they did. They, they could Everybody that wrestled in this card was at their best, I feel yeah, like. Oh, yeah. Yep. If you can get a guy like Baron Corbin, who, yes, at this time was good, but wasn't, like, fantastic. If you can get a guy like Baron Corbin to put on a four-star match, you're doing something right. Yeah, 100%. So the change was there, and it, it's only uphill from here. I already know that. It, it's only uphill. And yeah, we're, we're getting yeah. better, man. We're close. Oh, yeah. We're just getting started. So my match of the night, obviously Bailey Sasha, but honorable mention to Kevin Owens and Balor. Yeah, that's up there. Yep. But uh, I went 9.3 out of 10. 
Dude, if you had this 9.3, just wait till we get to a New Orleans or so. Oh, man, dude, that's going to be a good one. But uh, It's not fair to you guys because you guys know what's coming. Exactly. I, that's why it's so hard for me to rate these. I'm like, dude, I know what's around the corner. Yeah, like we're, we're, we're getting there. Um, real quick, um, I was looking at – so obviously this was the night before SummerSlam 2015. So I was very curious, and I forgot what was on the card – so we go from this great takeover. Um, this was main evented by The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Um, Kevin Owens also faced Cesaro. Um, really? I don't really remember that match, to be honest with you. We also had the banger, uh, two back-to-back bangers uh, between uh, Ryback, Big Show, and Miz. Also, Adrian, also Adrian Neville, Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Amell defeating King Barrett and Stardust in tag action. Yep. Um, Wow. Yeah, so uh, yeah. the only thing I actually remembered about this was the uh, the Rollins Cena stuff. Yeah, With- Rollins Cena at that SummerSlam was um, very very fun. Oh, also, um, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Page beat Team Bad and Team Bella, and it got fifteen minutes. Uh, got more time than Owen Cesaro, by the way. But um, yeah, but uh, yeah, we're gonna move on real quick. Uh, NXT does it again. Another great takeover as they continue to segue from the developmental brand into a legit third brand. This card had the fun moments, the great technical sequences, the raw emotion, and the complete brutality. Really had something for everyone, I thought. Triple H, I mean, does it again, like I said. So big thank you to him and the team for another enjoyable night of pro wrestling. Really quick, I wanted to save this to the end. And I just, we don't have to have a conversation about this, but I just want you to keep this guy, keep this point in your head. I've always felt like Triple H, when you think about the four horsewomen, especially in the weekly shows, what's to come, to me, it always felt like Sasha and Bailey were the Triple H girls. Like, were yeah. his two that he thought, like, all right, when Bailey's done, you guys are going to have basically the next feud for the next 10 years. And then it always, to me, felt like Becky and Charlotte were more Vince. I mean, that's my opinion. That's how I kind of, you know, and we're not done with this story either, so we have more to go. Um, but that's just, to me, what I feel like. I mean, Becky and Charlotte, besides this takeover, have been prominently used on these NXT takeovers. No, 100%. Yeah. But so- we're also not done, though. I I mean I think yes I agree Sasha and Bailey are definitely the 100% Triple H girls. Becky and I'm not saying that Charlotte and Becky were not. I just felt like those were the two that he thought Vince were going to use the most, and you know, obviously it ended up happening. Um, as you know, Sasha was kind of the transitional champion, felt like placeholders for Charlotte. You know, for her getting the more and more titles. Um, as Bailey never re- reached her full potential, but uh, just a thought. We still have more of this story. We'll uh, touch on another day, but um, really good stuff there. Um, I gave it a nine. I loved it, dude. This is one of the most historic takeovers of all time. Match of the night goes to Bailey Sasha. One of my favorite uh, matches in NXT history. But uh, you guys, have anything else before we move on? No, um, I do want to talk about Triple H just briefly. Um, it's clear that, you know, we've heard 
very positive stories about talent working with Triple H, the like yeah. the younger talent, the mm-hmm. the guys and girls from NXT, and um, it kind of feels like that in a way, like they compete for him. Yes, and like that's a very very admirable attribute to have when you have a team or so that's willing to fight or compete for their leader. Um, I mean, we saw what happened on Thursday. I know Kyle hasn't forgotten. Um, when you have a team that's willing to play for you, man, good stuff happens, and you can kind yeah. of see that going with NXT right now. Yep. You got to have that strong leader, and that's what they got. But um, All right, Dylan, tell me I'm on the week. What do you got? Also, Dan Campbell for uh, Coach of the Year. Um, my, that, dummy, <laughs> yeah, my dummy, yeah, this week goes to um, Jim Cornette. Oh, boy. Jim Cornette. Um, very, very outspoken Jim Cornette. <laughs> um, talked about Danielson's match um, with Ricky Starks, the strap match. Um, he says a strap match may be easier with a bad arm than a regular style Danielson match, but he can do it all. He's basically praising how good Brian Danielson is. He goes on to say, quote, He's been hidden for so long in that goofy group with that stupid, bad, fucking garbage wrestler Moxley. And that <laughs> fucking ridiculous whole gimmick where you saw less of Danielson than you did of everyone else, and he's the one you wanted to see. I think Moxley has proven time and time again how unselfish he is. Yeah. Um, look at his WWE run. He put on that stupid gas mask to make Seth Rollins look like a million bucks. Um, he canceled personal vacations and time off because CM Punk was CM Punk was hitting people in the in the head and Ace Steel was biting people. Um, so, <laughs> um, I think if Danielson wanted a bigger <laughs> spotlight in the Blackpool Combat Club, Mox would be more than happy to give it to him. Um, we we joke about how often Mox bleeds, but I have zero issues with Mox's in ring work. Um, his character work is really good. I don't get Jim Cornette's beef with John Moxley. What do you guys think? I think he considers him more of an indie wrestler than like a big company kind of wrestler. Yeah, Jim Cornette just because he does fan of hardcore wrestling. Moxley that does one. feel more indies, which is not he's great. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but he feels more indies than like mainstream you know i'm yeah like a mainstream yeah but but also like AEW kind of digs that presentation of like hey we're pro wrestling so mox fits right yeah no hey i i I have nothing to complain about well i mean but it's like we always say about AEW too though AEW is just an indies promotion with a bigger budget so that's not a bad thing though a guy like moxley fits yeah he fits that company and i mean we can see her go on about that but Danielson's not, Danielson's not selfish. Yeah, and also, do you guys feel Danielson's not being presented more? I feel like Danielson's heavily featured. He's pretty except, heavily featured. I except think when he's injured, he, of course. But he's just, yeah, I, he's been hurt quite a bit. Yeah, I think they could even use him better, but, like, I, he's still not being poorly used, so, like... No, yeah, I think Danielson still looks great the way he's presented. It, yeah. It's, it's Jim Cornette, I mean. <laughs> it, Jim Cornette's gonna be Jim Cornette, but uh, Christian, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, so I'm kind of sticking the AEW trend. Mine's a little different. Mine's gonna take some explaining. I think this is, like, the third week in a row I'm ragging on them, so sorry, guys, but my W moment goes to the AEW fanboys. So, I'm scrolling through oh, Twitter. Oh, yeah, the, dude. 
scrolling through Twitter this week. You guys might have seen it. I don't know. But I'm seeing a lot of the AEW fanboys talking about the CM Punk situation and saying how, oh, yeah, we definitely need to release him. Now the company's going to be so much better, this, this, that. You guys know how it goes. But wait, where were you guys at in 2020 saying that this was going to be the signing that put you guys over the top and that you support anything CM Punk does? Why did that change so quick? Oh, wait, because you guys are a bunch of two-faced... That's why it changed so quick. Just because Ace Steel bit someone. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, yeah. he got fired this week. I he did get he fired this week, yeah. Yeah, he's not even with the yep. company this week. But yeah, uh, it's just wrestling fans being wrestling fans. Yeah. yeah, but why aren't you having the same energy that you had when CM Punk came there? Because they are not consistent at all. And... And let me let me also say they've supported CM Punk this entire run if you've went through Twitter. Oh yeah. Yeah, they, dude, they were defended everything. And even last year, after the brawl, they all said, ah, well, Punk, it was probably just a misunderstanding, blah, blah, blah. But now he gets fired. Oh yeah, we didn't need him anyways. Like And it, if he got re-signed, they'd be oh dude, we always loved Punk. Yeah. yeah. And they'll be yeah, his name in Chicago again. Yeah, it's kinda that's like wrestling uh, fans. it's kinda yeah. like Cavs fans with LeBron. Hello. Yeah. Was that a personal shot at me? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to move on to uh, to mine. Um, Vince always gets half the award, but the other half this week goes to Riddick Moss. Oh. This is a lighthearted one. Nothing crazy. Uh, so we are obviously all NFL fans here. As the WWE did a post for their social media asking wrestlers who they think will win the Super Bowl this year. Top Dallas said the Ravens. Rey Mysterio obviously said the Raiders because he's a big fan. Uh, Carl Anderson said the Bengals. But this man, Riddick Moss, with a straight face, said that the Arizona Cardinals are winning the Super Bowl this year. Um, I think we all know that the Cardinals uh, will have probably trouble winning four to five games. Um, I don't know if he's a fan of the Cardinals. I, he must be. He has to But be. Uh, I, I just found it hilarious that he said, like, oh, dude, yeah, I think Arizona's going to win the Lombardi Trophy this year, like, with a straight face. I laughed. It got a pop out of me. So, um, real funny stuff, Dylan, I thought. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Cardinals are starting Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Um, in two days. And I think he's going to lead him to the promised land. So, maybe uh, old Riddick is on to something. Well, uh, hey, we owe, him, I, we owe him an apology if, they, if they're good. Well, uh, yeah, the, the whole uh, Josh Dobbs thing really quick. I got to watch a couple years of preseason with him. Dude can play. He's not bad, man. He's not that. Yeah. Was, was last year when he had to play the playoff game, Dobbs? Yes, with the Titans. Yeah. yeah. Or, <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't the playoff game. It was the week 18. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was. It was the uh, it was the game the winner went to the playoffs. Yeah, though yeah, the winner goes to play Clemson event. That's right. Tennessee and Jacksonville, yep. Dude, the wrestling fans that listen to this show are like, <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. But dude, I, I had to say it. I, I thought it was it got a big pop out of me. But um and All right, Dylan. Oh, oh, go ahead. I said and the NFL starts tomorrow, so Well, the NFL already started and the uh, the best team in the NFL right now are the soon-to-be Super Bowl champion Detroit Lions. So, a huge congratulations to the Lions as um, we needed that one. And uh, good luck to the rest of the season, those guys. But, Dylan, uh, what are we doing next week? Guys? All right. Next week is bracket time. We will be discussing um, some of our favorite stables. And mm-hmm. uh, 
discussing it tournament style. So um, you guys should know the rules by now. Kyle will go over them uh, next week. But, um, yeah, we're just going to talk about some of our favorite stables and uh, which ones we think are better than others. There are specific – there's a specific format that Kyle has chosen, and I'll let him explain that next week when we go into it. But, but yeah, I think it will be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I was told that this is this might be our best episode ever. Wow! So uh, I think we're we are in for it because uh, there's a lot of good stables around there, man, and uh, there's going to be a lot of memories uh, with some of these stables. But uh, really interested to see how it goes. Um, so we have a really good episode coming. So um, we're also thinking about doing another tournament bracket right after. So if you guys have any suggestions, love to hear them um, as we uh, plan for the future of the show. But Appreciate everyone listening to this point. And uh, we are on the road to WWE Fastlane, which I'll be attending. Very excited. So uh, we'll catch everyone next week. Yes, sir. Go Browns. Shut up.